Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Busy, busy day today. We've got a lot on the economic front. Initial, initial jobless claims out and GDP out at 8.30. We're going to get the results of the Fed's annual stress test after the close today at 4.30 p.m., but I have a hunch that's weighing on sentiment in the financials today. We, of course, are going to talk about just the negative sentiment in the overall market yesterday and continue this morning. A couple of earnings on our radar, KB Holmes on Nike is after the close today and a bunch of guests here. So Mark Chaikin will join us at 8.15. At 8.50, we're going to be joined by a new guest, Robert Schultz. He is a Spending the summer with Benzinga, he's a, an economist going back to school for another master's degree uh, in the fall. He's going to break down the GDP report for us at 8.50. And then I'll be joined at 9 by Dimitri Parganamic from Market Chameleon. He will give us some options trades as it relates to earnings coming up here in a couple <coughs> of days. So, lots to get to. Let's bring Joel on here. Joel, update us on the market here overnight. Sure, Spencer. Good morning. Uh, we're down 25 and a quarter handles at 30.2375. Got a little bit above your close at 30.49 at 56.50. Uh, now you are trading as low as 3.005. We haven't been under 3,000 in a while. So currently down 25 handles. Crude in the red by 66 cents at 37.35. Gold could not get through 1,800. Down $6.20 at 17.68.90. Silver down 11.5 cents at 17.555. And Bitcoin still hanging out in the $9,000 handle, down $60 at 9,315. So, Dennis, you switch between buy the dip and sell the rip and vice versa or buy both or sell both. I've been. Uh, yeah. Yesterday I've, was uh, a sell the dip, sell the dip. Yeah. I've been buying the dip and selling the rip for a long time. And I had probably got, I'm not joking, 10 to 15 messages yesterday, either via Twitter, via people who know me, via text, via email and say, what stocks are you buying on the dip? What stocks are you buying on the dip? I, when I get that's that not, many messages good. to that's buy the dip, I don't want to buy the dip. Um, it, we've, it's been working for a long time here. And the reason that I'm nervous this time around, and I've been nervous before, you know, and, and obviously I flip-flop and I change your opinions and you're entitled to do that as day traders. We have to be able to do that. But yesterday around, you know, just after the open, they tried to rally the big guns. And we've been talking about, you know, we even talked with Paula Monica about how Apple is holding us. Up, how Facebook, how the same stocks, Fang was holding us up. They tried to rally those stocks right off the hop, and then the rally started to fade in the first 20 minutes. And I was like, they're going to take this market down. I turned, I was already out of most of my trades. I went to my long term portfolio, 
and I dumped everything I could dump that I felt like anything that I had bought in the last few weeks, I dumped it and dumped like my long-term positions like Apple, MasterCard, stuff that I've held for years. But newer positions that I was holding on to because, you know, you buy the dip, sell the rip. I've been swing trading my longer-term portfolio to a certain extent. I sold. So I sold my General Electric. Um, I sold my JP Morgan. I sold my TD Bank, which is Canadian Bank. I sold my Upwork. I sold... Part of my WKHS, and we'll talk about that, but that's just gotten silly. So I lighten that up just because that's just gotten crazy here. Um, I sold as, as much as I could. So I've raised a lot of cash here again. I was already in a lot of cash. I raised more cash. Um, the reasons are is that FOMO has kind of petered out. It was all being jacked by FOMO. And if we look back to this rally in late May, early June, where the airlines just blasted off into orbit and everything else blasted off, it was all because of the reopening hopes. That reopening is going well. We have the flattening of the curve. New York is under control. Michigan is under control. And, and you know, it looks like you know, we're going to actually maybe you know, get past this. That is off the table now. It's off the table. The reopening is not going well. We talked about this for the last few days. And the market is starting to realize it. And the people who have bought all these stocks on the reopening hopes are now under significant water. I want to go to Disney first. And I'll be done my rant in a second and let you guys talk. But I want to go to Disney. And just we talked about this when it went up to $115. And I couldn't believe that, you know, and then it went to 120 and I'm looking at it and saying, how in the oh. hell are you actually buying Disney at the same price that it was a year ago when the parks were open, the movies, when the company had Disney Plus coming, when it was firing on all cylinders? All cylinders for Disney are off. Disney Plus is the only thing they got going and it's a fraction of their revenues. The parks, 38% of the revenues, closed. The movies, they're not making movies and people can't even get close to each other to make movies. So the content that's going to be coming in isn't going to be coming. So you think about all that. And obviously my daughter's upset about it too, because she's crying in the background. I'm not sure if you can hear that, but how do you logically pay the same price as when the company was firing on all cylinders? So people who are buying that 122, 125, $127, when the company has slashed the dividend to zero to conserve cash, or it's just FOMO insanity is what it was. It was FOMO insanity. And that's what we saw in the airlines. And that's what we saw in so many things. It was all FOMO insanity. People, I have to buy stocks. I'm going to miss the boat. It's, I, everybody's going to get rich without me. Well, you know what's going to happen and what is happening? Now, those people who bought that up there are now down 15% in Disney. They're now down 70% in American Airlines. They're now down in Boeing. They're now down in all these stocks. That FOMO, that fear of missing out has turned into foam, the fear of losing money. And now they're sitting there and newer traders, I'll tell you right now, everybody says, oh, they're probably out. They probably sold. New traders typically have a big thing with loss aversion from behavioral finance. They don't sell at losses. You are seeing a lot of retail accounts. I bet you if you go into the Robinhood accounts, there's just a ton of them holding a lot of these reopening plays and down significant money in them. I think they're going to get shaken out eventually, but I think that the path of least resistance for the market 
at least until we get some hopes. Of, the one thing that can get us out is this hopes of a vaccine. But until we start getting more hope of a vaccine, and maybe, you know, we're going to get a headline from Trump because they'll do something to try to prop this market back up. Maybe they'll say, oh, we're getting close to a vaccine. Or maybe there's going to be somebody else that says we're getting close to a vaccine. And the markets will prop up on that because that changes everything. That's the game changer. But the Fed is not the game changer, folks. You can say, oh, don't fight the Fed or don't fight the White House. That's what everybody's tweeting at me. One thing to consider, this has been a long rant, but one thing to consider is that the Fed did not bail this market out in March. The market did not rally because of the Fed. It went down three Fed tried three, four times to rally this market. Back when we were, you remember this, Joel? When we were 3,000, the Fed was doing something. And then they, I can't remember, they fired bullets and fired bullets, lowered interest rates. It's just an emergency rate cut, half of, of you know, 50 basis points, out of the blue, emergency rate cut. The market rallies, like 700 points on that. Two hours later, it was red and it kept going down. And then they were saying, well, this isn't, you know, and people are trying, the economists are trying to justify, the Fed's firing all these bullets and the market is still going down because the market didn't care because people were dying and, and the economy was shut down. So when we started to rally, it wasn't because of Fed action in March. It was because we flattened the curve. It was because New York City started, the cases started to go down faster than we thought that they would. The social distancing worked. That is why we rallied folks in March. And then the Fed helped out. And obviously, you know, and, when, and the rally continued and it turned to FOMO and we saw it all go up. But now we've turned off a of social distancing. They don't want a social. People can't stand being cooped up in their homes anymore. And so we're seeing cases go back up. So we're back into a situation where we were in early March, where we've got this going up and we've got, you know, no, in, we've got a, in no timeline for when COVID's going to be over. Disney said they were going to open California July 17th, the Disneyland in California. And that last night they said, we're going to have to postpone it indefinitely. So stuff is not reopening as quickly. The reopening is going not well at all. And that is why we're selling off here. So yes, the Fed's going to fire more bullets. And yes, you know, we're going to have, you know, these rallies that are induced by the governor, induced by the White House, or induced by the Fed. But they don't last until we start to get the virus under control. So I've been cashed the whole time because I've been worried about a second wave, but we never really fully got past the first wave, like Fauci said. And I think if you are buying all these stocks at the highs, um, to be honest, it, it, you've got to look at the overall picture. And if you are entering for trades, that's fine. You've got to have yourself an out. Don't let the long-term investment, you know, or don't let the trade turn into a long-term investment because it starts going down on you. So that's my rant. The rant is basically, yes, the Fed is behind the market. Yes, the, but I, and, and the White House is behind the markets, and they're going to try to prop it up. But at the same time, the virus took control in March, and the Fed was firing bullets, and they weren't working. And that can happen again. So I don't want to own a lot of stocks right now until I see the virus get under control. And something to consider is there's, there's a lag, right? There's always a lag in the cases and what the market does. If you look at... Uh, the daily new cases in the U.S. Uh, the curve started to flatten. It started to flatten really uh, in in early April, but it, it we we hit a new daily high on the, on April 24th. So it didn't didn't really start to flatten until like late April, and and the curve unquestionably flattened in April, in May, and June, but it didn't really start. Until late April, so so there's like there's a lag between the cases and when the market rallied, right? Because the bottom was hit on the 20th, 23rd of March, and we really took off from there. So, 
uh, it's kind of too soon to tell. That's what makes this scary because it's like there's so much uncertainty. There's, it's too soon to tell really anything. We the, the the daily new cases doesn't line up exactly with the movements of the market. There's always going to be a lag in the reaction. We don't know yet if, if this spike in cases is going to lead to a spike in deaths, right? That hasn't happened yet. And if it doesn't happen, that's great. So we there's ultimately there's a lot we don't know, which sort of makes this this it makes it tough. There was a lot we didn't know the whole time. Right. But the difference was is that we had newer traders coming in and just buying regardless, and you know fundamentals don't matter. I saw that go through my timeline, my Twitter timeline, a million times. The stock market is not the economy. The stock market is not the economy. In, in the short run, it's definitely not. The stock market gyrates. The, you know, obviously, we've got three percent down, three percent. The economy is not moving around that much. So in the short run, that is true. In the long run, it is the economy because you know what? In the long run, the stock market actually does care about the fundamentals of the company. Hertz is a dollar. So you can say, oh yeah, it's completely disconnected um, and you know the economy doesn't matter. Hertz was $20 in March. If COVID didn't happen, Hertz would not be bankrupt right now. Hertz would still be up at $20 a share. Maybe they weren't firing all sellers, maybe at 15, but it's not a buck. So in the long run, when companies go bankrupt, they do eventually start to go down. Yes, we had a ridiculous FOMO rally in that in June too, but that faded as well. So I just say, if you are on margin invested, I would sell rallies. I'm comfortable with my 70% cash position. I've been comfortable. I was uncomfortable when we just went to FOMO. I was like, man, it sucks to have this much cash. But you know what? I was trading it from the long side. I was like, I'll make it up on the trading side. And, you know, and I can trade. And, but as of swing trades right now, I had a few long ones on. I'm out of them all. No swing longs whatsoever. No swing shorts either here because this Fed is just wild. But if we get these ridiculous pops, and don't kid yourself, I might go short this market again too. But I'm underinvested. Um, I'm going to stay underinvested until I see something positive happening. And maybe it's overnight with a vaccine. And maybe that changes everything. I hope that's what happens. I hate being locked down in my home too. I don't want the markets to go down. I want the markets to go back up because I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I don't like not being able to go to a restaurant. I don't like not being able to go you know, out you know, to, to see my friends. I don't like it. But it's the reality that we're in. But I'm not going to buy stocks like Disney near, you know, getting approaching all-time highs. And if you backed up the Disney Plus, when everything's closed, it's nuts. So yeah, I think um, I think you and Spencer, uh, you know, are spot on. You know, with that analysis of uh, of the Fed, as well as uh, you know the COVID cases. But what what really what is the main thing that moves stocks? What what is the one fundamental thing that moves stocks? Sentiment, buyers, sellers, <laughs> buyers fundamental, sellers. one fundamental <laughs> thing. Earnings. Exactly. That's okay. what values, that's where, where it comes oh, Values, that, okay. That, yeah. Do you think, <clears throat> do you think uh, JP Morgan is going to be by, you know, a buck 40 next quarter? I think the one thing that we missed was that with last quarter's earnings, you're only taking to a small account of the, of the, uh, of the COVID crisis. Now you're going to have a full quarter. Oh, yeah. And these and they threw out they threw out the junk when they rallied Halliburton on it. They rallied every single stock, good, bad, or indifferent on the reports. And now you're going to have a quarter. You know, maybe it's not going to hurt your tech companies. Maybe it's not going to hurt your Apple. But how how could anything for Disney or any of these companies, the airlines, how could the earnings be anything but disastrous? 
And I think what you're seeing now is I looked at uh, July 14th for JP Morgan is when they come out. No one, no one wants to be long going into earnings season. I mean, they, they, they threw out that, you know, the, the everything last quarter. What excuse are you going to use this quarter? I, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking is no one wants to be a, um, uh, long ahead of uh, Q2 earnings season. It's a great point you're making, and we have proof in the, is in the pudding here. Look at KB Homes here today. Look at KBH earnings. Look at KB Homes, what it's doing. So we had this forgiveness going in April and May, the complete forgiveness trade, where when companies were missing and guiding down, it was all because of COVID, it's all okay. Um, we, we were just forgiving, very forgiving. KB Homes is down 15% today on their earnings. We're back to caring about earnings all of a sudden. That's not good for this market if they start caring about earnings. I'm going to tell you that because you're right, Joel. These earnings in this quarter are going to be an epic disaster. Epic. Well, we know that. What are the earnings for KB Homes? They weren't even that bad, but it doesn't matter because they're starting to care. Down, down 15% today, the stock. What were the earnings? Yeah, well, the EPS beat by five cents, 55 cents versus 50 cents, and their sales missed 914 million versus 1.07 billion. But let's get Mark Chaikin's thoughts on this as well, because he's here now. Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other Thursday. Mark, you agree with this analysis that uh, we're in for a, a doozy of an earnings season and the market cares now? Oh, I think Mark might be on mute. That, that might be my mistake. Let's unmute Mark. Let's try that. Okay, how's that? Hey, how we doing? All right, we got you. Good. Hey, welcome. Good morning. I, I do believe that analysts are starting to lower their estimates heading into the quarter. That's actually bullish for the market uh, because uh, you know it's no it's more than just setting the bar low. It means that the institutions are primed to buy the dips. But I do agree with Dennis that when you get a a report in stocks that are overextended. And it could be Lululemon, it could be the home builders, it could be stocks like Fastly or Zoom. Reality sets in when you see the earnings report. That's why that three-month period between the two earnings reports with a bit of a blackout in the middle in terms of corporate um, buying and in terms of um, forward-going statements is such an interesting period for the market. But I do think that if companies even if they come in at or slightly better, it's the forward guidance and there's so much room for disappointment. I can't imagine anybody going out on a limb or very few saying things are getting better. You know, we're, we're going to be back at 2019 earnings levels. I mean, people are saying they're getting better, but they're getting better from where they were in March and April. So, you know, the bar again, and that's why this market has been driven higher because you had companies saying, yeah, we're seeing Uber coming out. We're seeing sales improvements. Their sales were down 93% in March, but they're up 25% in April from, from that March low. So that I'm, means you're still down like 85%, but that's good news. I'm going to be even more simplistic. The market's going up because of the Fed. It's just, and it is. people are underinvested. You know, the, what I call conventional investors, hedge funds, uh, active portfolio managers at mutual funds, pension funds, they're very underinvested in equities. They're but looking, this, they're but Mark, I just want to interrupt you, you for a second, that. because this was the story for the last two months. I feel a sentiment change in the last week, though. I really feel the difference. I feel like it has changed that we are going up because of the Fed. And yes, you know, the, 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 the Fed's going to defend this market no matter what. And it's all true. But I feel like 
people are spooked a bit again. And they weren't spooked two weeks ago. It was all FOMO. We got to get in. I'm, everybody's getting rich without me. And it's turned a bit. And the Fed can do what they want. The Fed fired a lot of bullets in March. And those were all blanks. You know, we had the 50 basis point emergency cut and the market rallied for one hour and then gave it all back because we were worried about companies potentially going bankrupt and a 50 basis point rate, rate lowering rates wasn't going to make a difference. What if we get into a scenario like that again? Well, I think it's not just the rate scenario. It's the Fed backstopping everything. And so, you know, you had um, record monthly uh, junk bond issuance, 45.7 million a billion of junk bond issuance, uh, 1.2 trillion of investment grade issuance. There's the Fed- corporate bonds. Yeah, the the words of the Fed are enabling companies to basically raise liquidity through bond offerings. And so that's, that's to me, the reason that the market's going up. It's not the Fed's keeping rates at zero, that is part of it. Clearly, there's going to be ebbs and troughs in that, peaks and valleys in that scenario. But uh, unless second quarter earnings are a total disaster and the reopening efforts fall even flatter than they fall. And, you know, look what happened yesterday and today. The market absorbed some really bad news in terms of reopening. I mean, the Texas governor, Jim Abbott, basically said I was wrong. He, you know, a politician will rarely say that. But when he said, if you have to stay home, if you don't have to go out, just stay home. It's basically saying, if you go out, you're putting yourself in harm's way. So it's about as bad as it can get short of states shutting down. And I don't see these Republican states shutting down anytime soon. And yet the market didn't go to hell in a handbasket. The moves got... um, magnified because of the gamma trade coming off at the June expiration on Friday. And so now stocks are going to move in a much more dramatic fashion because of that. They're not pinned to strike prices. So So it sounds to me like you'd be buying this dip. Is that what you're saying? I'd be buying a dip between now and a week before earnings season. You know, they may rally today. Who knows what the unemployment number is going to be, unemployment claims number is going to be. But yeah, I, I would be. I mean, everything that I want to own is at the top of the page. So it's Microsoft, Adobe, PayPal, NVIDIA, Netflix. Everything's at the top of the page. I'm with you on all those stocks. I love tech. I, can't, I still love tech. Them up here. But what about Boeing? And what about American Airlines? And what about Disney? And what about the actual reopening stocks? Because I'm with you. I own all those tech stocks. I own Amazon. I own Apple. I own Google. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I own, uh, you know, I'm loaded up in tech. It's but I sold all my reopening plays yeah. because I'm worried the reopening is not going well. I don't believe, I never believed in the reopening play because I saw a second wave or a continuation of the first wave coming. So I agree with you, sell them or avoid. I, I just, it, they're, it's tainted goods. You know, why do that? These are damaged goods. And if you look at some of the stocks that had started to rally and then stopped the cruise lines, um, Coles. Coles is a great poster child for the reopening trade. Yep. Um, Occidental Petroleum. The, these stocks had bounces. In some cases, they were huge rallies like with Royal Caribbean, but they're giving it back and it's bottom fishing. No matter what you want to call it, reopening trade is bottom fishing. And I don't believe in bottom fishing. I think it's a loser's game. 
We're on the line with Mark Chaikin of Chaikin Analytics. He joins the show every two weeks to share his fundamental and uh, technical analysis of the markets. Uh, a lot of times before earnings season, I, you see, I mean, we talk about analysts. We haven't been talking about the ratings that much, but a lot of time, they, some analysts step up to the plate and they say, hey, you know, I'm, you know, a day or two before earnings, they'll say, I'm raising my forecast for Apple. I'm raising my forecast for Amazon and, and their bold calls. I, I think to me would be interesting to observe, you know, what these analysts do. Uh, ahead of the reports. I mean, do you think people are going to, you know, these analysts are going to step up to the plate? Because, I, I mean, how can Darty Restaurants have a good quarter? How can Red Robin have a good quarter? How can Disney, how can these hotel stocks, how can these airline stocks, how, how can any of these have a good quarter? I don't think they're going to be raising estimates. That, that's a bull market game. Well, we, we're in a bull market in mega cap tech, but not, you know, if you look at the underlying advanced decline lines in, in both the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P, there are more stocks below their 200-day average than above it. So I don't think they're going to be raising estimates. I think they're going to be lowering estimates, which is what started already. And that's actually bullish for the market. At least it has been over the last 10 years. The quarters where the analysts have been lowering their estimates coming into earnings have done better on balance big time than the quarters when they raise their estimates coming in. It's worth pointing out that a lot of these companies are reporting super late in the season. They have like different uh, fiscal years. So Darden's reporting for their fiscal quarter that ended at the end of May. So this is, this is the March, April, May quarter for Darden restaurants. So there will be a good, good shock be, of it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how couldn't it be? How could it be anything but? They weren't uh, open. <laughs> you know, and, and if you look at Twitter, which is not a place I like to hang out, um, you know, there are stories of people flying on airplanes and saying nobody's wearing masks or half the people aren't wearing masks and nobody's doing anything about it. Um, that's pretty scary. Uh, I'm not going on a plane if people aren't wearing masks, but, you know, Forget the political aspect of this, just from a health point of view. It, it seems to be the only thing that works along with social distancing. So it's become a big political firecracker, like not a political football. It's a political hand grenade. So, Mark, sure. Mark aside from, so you mentioned some of the stocks that, that you like, just the stocks that the, mar the same stocks that the market seems to like here, really. Is there anything else? On your on your on your buy radar here, that besides like the mega cap tech, well, biotech uh, quality biotech has had more uh, two way action. There's been some profit taking off peaks, they pull back. But um, it's interesting on Friday with the options expiration, Regeneron spiked up I don't know, 50 points in the final 15 minutes. Crazy. And that That's wasn't based on anything COVID related. That was based on a um, second stage drug that they're working on with Sanofi, their partner. And so I think people are missing the point that biotech is not just about COVID. And so quality biotech, Regeneron, Alexion, Vertex, even something like Teva Pharmaceutical, uh, really doing quite well, but giving you the opportunity to buy on dips because there's more of a two-way market in these stocks. Yeah. All right. About two minutes left here before we're going to get a couple of economic data points, initial jobs claims, and Q1 GDP. Uh, 
Mark, I, I guess before we let you go, just any any final thoughts here? I mean, try to make us feel a little better uh, about this market if you can. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about the market given uh, the fact that the reopening is going badly. Don't outthink the market. Just go where the strength is in quality stocks, not in the fastlies of the world, which I think is a, yeah. a ridiculous bubbles. hockey stick move. But, go, you know, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Facebooks, it, it's where money is flowing and you got to go there. I also think one thing we should bring up is the June employment numbers. Remember, this rally was triggered by an outsized May employment gain. And we all question that. Do they count the right people? Are people really in the workforce and so forth? Uh, the July employment, the June employment report in early July has the potential to be a big, big market mover. If it's regression back in other, or they um, downgrade May, that could be a serious negative catalyst ahead of earnings. All right. Mark Chaikin, founder of Chaikin Analytics, joins us every other week. Mark, as always, we appreciate your insights and keep on staying safe. You too. Dennis, Thanks, keep, Mark. Dennis, Thanks, keep Mark. tweeting. I love your middle of the night tweets. <laughs> My little rant when I'm laying in bed and I'm mad. Hey, are, so you in your, are you in your pajamas? Are you the pajama trader? Oh, yeah, I'm Kramer, always in my, I live in my pajamas. Kramer's I lived in my pajamas old. before COVID. I, I was a pajama. <laughs> I, like, it, it didn't really change my life that much. I never left the home before COVID. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, I that's don't go to the restaurants much. anymore. <laughs> All right. Enjoy, guys. See you in All a right, couple Mark. of Mark. All right. Uh, we're going to get numbers out here in just a second. So stand Coming. by. Stand by for those. But uh, We're 50 cents wide on the spy right now. That is a wide market for the pre-market. We're usually about a nickel. So now, now it's coming in. <clears throat> Down 26 handles here, 25 handles. Uh, we did have a little relief rally here, about 7, 7, 15. Got up yeah. to 30, 40 area. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, if you do get a pop on this number, we'll see what kind of resistance. First, you need to clear mid-range, and that comes in at like 30. 31 on the session pre-market low 3005 right. yeah we got why did we uh why did we rally so much off the lows because we leaked all night we leaked for a while there and then i know oil had a little bit of a pop but was that the catalyst like we were down at 1.50 handles and we came all the way back to go green or is that just our mysterious uh buyer that just wants to prop up the market what why 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 i don't, the I don't know i don't know i i i and I don't know. Because I checked, like we were down 30, and then I look, obviously, I always look at the lows, and we were down as much as 50, 50 points last night. And then we ride all the way back to green. I was like, oh, I guess the overnight, you know, dip buying still working. Uh, durable good orders up 15.8% versus estimate at 9.8%. Oh, yeah. That's, I'll, I'll read that's the good. Yeah. Initial jobless claims for last week, 1.48 million versus 1.3 million estimates. So, not good there. GDP uh, in line with estimates down 5% for the quarter. That was what they expected. So actually good. They got that one right, which is, I guess, interesting. But we'll, uh, we'll get some analysis on GDP when I bring on Robert Schultz here in about 20 minutes. He'll have some time to look through their report and give us some high-level thoughts here. But let's go back to the market uh, and let's talk about uh, I don't know if we finished KB Homes. So, uh, Joe, do you want to give technicals on KBH here? Yeah, give the levels. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what to say in this one. Uh, these these home builders uh, are notorious for just wild moves and reversal yeah. moves. So, and this is nothing based on the fundamentals. This is just from prior past history. Uh, when they're way up, they seem to go way down. And when they're way down, sometimes they go way up. I don't know if that's going to be the case today. They really have pounded this thing. Just hanging out at the pre-market lows. Uh, wow. 28.49 is where you're, you're currently trading. And you've made a couple lows at 28.15, 28.30. Hmm, let's see on the dailies. Do you have anything there? You have a couple lows under 28, 27.61, 27.68. So I'd keep an eye on those. I think maybe your safest play if you are just attempting to buy the dip here in this one. Uh, see that open and maybe, you, you know, it opens up 28 and a quarter and then they flush it down like to 20, you know, 2770 and then, and then turn around and coming back up through that open. Then you can learn, lean on that early morning yeah. low, but yeah. just blindly buying the open here, you might take, actually, we got to 2790. That's uh that's your pre-market low. So that coincides 28. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I think it will get a list, some of these losses back. It's just not going to go down, 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 like uh, 25 bucks. That's my, that's my early call. Man. It's hard to say. I like the way Joel's playing it better than just saying, I'm just going to buy the open and I know it's going to bounce back because wait for it to start bouncing back. It's a good point because you're fighting the tape right now. The thing's been leaking the entire after hour session. There's a lot of people who are caught along these things. There's a lot of people who are, you know, believing that, Oh, the home builders are firing on all cylinders. People really thought, you know, that they were, and apparently maybe they're not. So, you know, it's a, it's a move down to, it's been, you know, and, and people, you know, tweeting at me too. I mean, it had a big move. I mean, we had a really big move and we got back almost all the losses from March. So now we're realizing that, Hey, maybe the home builders aren't, you know, in the clear and, you know, obviously the earnings weren't that bad, but they're punishing it for it because it was just overextended. So yeah. 28 bucks sitting there right now. I like your setup. Let's say it opens 28, flashes to 27 and a half, comes back up through the open. That's where it gets interesting. But for the entire market, you can play it that way too. Let's see where the market opens and let's see what it does because you just say, oh, I'm just going to randomly come in and buy the dip on every single stock. Well, if you were doing that yesterday, you got hurt bad because we opened and we tried to rally for the first 10, 15 minutes, and then we just started to leak, and then we lost the leaders. And what was concerning and why you know, a lot of my sentiment has turned is that we lost the leaders yesterday. We lost Amazon. We lost Shopify. We started losing Apple, and Apple has been a monster leader. And yes, Apple, you know, is getting some love here this morning, another analyst raising the price target. Johnny come lately, analyst, in my opinion. Um, and Apple's had a hell of a run. It needs to cool off. All of these stocks need to cool off, and they started cooling off yesterday. So Microsoft back under 200. I'm not going to get interested in Microsoft. Like I'm long it from the, the, the investing perspective. I'm sticking with the long-term investment, but from a trading perspective, I'm not going to buy Microsoft house back up over 200 because it's cooling off. It's had a hell of a run. There's a lot of stocks have just run too far and they need a cooling off period. That's your leaders, but the laggards just continue to lag. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at American airlines, the thing's down every day. So what are we down here in a row, Joel? Like, I mean, go to where we had that, you know, little rally there. Yeah, let me check that. Go up to 1844. We're down every day. We're down another 50 cents here today. We're absolutely punishing people who were chasing that original move now. And eventually, maybe we get back $10 support. Maybe we bounce. 12.50 now. I don't see much till 10. 
So I don't know if it's going straight there. It's going to eventually have, you know, it's just, uh, it's been too easy for the shorts now on American Airlines. But again, these stocks are, you know, wow, right down for the real thing. Wow, down 54 cents at uh, 1251. Boy, if you got that offering at uh, what, 1350. Yeah, you're man, not happy. You had to scoot out of that yesterday. Uh, big volume day. <clears throat> Boy, oh boy, this is giving back what this is giving back over half of its gains here. Boy, what is it? We went from uh, eight and a quarter. Uh, we we figured this out. Oh yeah, you're way. Be- I mean, you don't want to get interested in this thing until it gets back over, for, at least over that offering price and closes over. You know, closes over that. And that was thirteen fifty. It's tough. It's just a tough market to trade, and it's a tough market. Um, but well, it's not so much a tough market to trade. It's just a tough market to just come in and just say, you know, buy the dips worked and it's going to always work. And it, and it will probably eventually work. But at this point in time, um, it, there's too many unknowns. So I'm sticking with the thesis, especially on the airlines and especially on these reopening plays like Mark was just saying. If you're going to buy the dip, buy it in stocks that are firing on all cylinders. Don't buy it and don't buy on these ones that are you know, raising cash to survive because they hey. might not survive. Hey Dennis, uh, you, you get that pick up that Penn Gaming today. It's down to buck thirty eight at thirty two bucks. Yeah, no, no, thank you. <laughs> what? You wanted to buy it at thirty two fifty five? I wanted the to buy day. it for the trade on the Catalyst Support <laughs> Night trade. It's giving it right back. Um, okay, I'm just uh, curious because you know it's um, really he's taking. It's a, a reopening play until I see. I, I, you know what? A vaccine is going to change it. I really want to see. There's going to be a headline coming. Don't kid yourself. Oh, There's a headline yeah. in the next couple of weeks, next week or two, that's going to be like, oh, this vaccine trial is going well. And the market's going to rip higher on that. So, but I don't think, you know, even if the, the Fed comes out and says, okay, maybe short of buying stocks, which, you know, is probably the next bloody step, like actually going <laughs> to buy physical equities, it, it's, it's tough to envision the fed firing bullets and the market just you know jumping higher and it's going higher no matter what i mean the fed does help and the fed is the reason the markets are as high as they are but it's a serious issue this virus here again it's starting to pick up and if we have to go back into a second you know and and you know a point being made rich greenfield on cnbc this morning making great points on disney and he was saying even if they reopen the parks on disney who's going Who's going? You think everybody's just lining up to go into the parks? He's like, I think that they're some, still some going people to are going. Be... I want to go to that. I just you want think, to do that. You okay, think Disney no. is going to you, – you think they're going to be 100% full, Spencer? You think those parks no. are 100% full? No, don't kid yourself. People are going to Disney World. Don't be – oh, yeah. How if many? How many? How full are those parks going to be? How full is Shanghai? How full is it? Well, well they capped it at, what, 30%? So. Yeah. Well, does that even help? If you're at 30% capacity, does that, that's still a cash burn for sure. There's no way a Disney park 30% full isn't burning cash. There's no way, especially with all the precautions that they have to make. So we can say, oh yeah, everybody's going to go to Disney World. Sure, there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be thousands of people going to Disney World, but it ain't going to be full. It'll be full on day one and then day two, day three. It's not going to be full. So I guess maybe not a bad time to go to Disney World because you don't have to wait in lines on the rides. They're always so packed that it isn't even fun. They're so packed, those parks. So maybe it will be more magical because it'll be less full. I mean, people are going to the casinos because of that. They're saying the things are third capacity. So they're actually feel safe because there's not that many people in there. But 
they're not going back full in a long time. And I don't think Disney is getting back the 2019 park numbers for a long time. So I don't know. That's why I'm not investing right. in it. Whoever posted in the chat that GNC was up today, why'd you have to do that? Uh, I didn't realize that, but GNC, who declared bankruptcy the other day, just, I mean, it's well off the highs now, but I mean, this movie is Was there a headline on Hope or something? Was there? I, uh, I, I don't look I don't look at these things. Uh, and also, I know Joel's upset today because his favorite company declared bankruptcy, Chuck E. Cheese. So I'm, I'm sorry, Joel. Oh, Did we lose Chuck E. Cheese? We have lost Chuck E. Cheese, yep. No, oh, man. I just no. wanted to say... It's uh, ruined the whole day. I want to go to Blizzard Beach. I want to ride that, that one slide. I'll just go there. I'll pay the money. I'll just go up and down the slide, then I'll leave. I, I don't know if my mask will get... Um, a little bit soggy, but uh, <laughs> I definitely, definitely want to do that. Um, and also, I forgot to mention, I can't believe it, and I don't know if she's listening, but uh, today's Dana's 28th birthday. Oh, happy oh, birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, Dana. yeah. Yep. So shout out to her. She's probably sleeping in today. And uh, that also coincides with the first day, I, I always say this every time, uh, of Globex trading. Uh, June twenty fifth, nineteen Yeah, yeah, it's a great. I still have the button somewhere upstairs that says that. So, uh, just want to give a shout out. Dana is my daughter. Uh, twenty eight. Happy birthday, Dana! If you're listening, uh, can we talk the banks here for a second? Financial yeah. financials were the second worst performing sector of the day yesterday. All the big banks down between three and four percent. We're going to get the results of the annual stress test uh, here at four thirty today. It's not going to be a usual thing. They're not going to like pass fail banks. Uh, what I suspect they might do is give them guidance and say, "Hey, we think you should consider suspending your dividend." Uh, is that that's what I think could happen? And I, I think. I think this is my opinion, but that's weighing on the sector here uh, this morning. In addition, Jamie Dimon flat out said that they were thinking of doing that, and the market rallied. It, the, ra- the market rallied. Did he it. say that? He said they, they, yeah. Didn't he say that during the last? I don't quarter? know. You might be right. And then you know, I know I'm right. And then um, the, uh, and then the next day, uh, one of their uh, their analysts come out and said, uh, yeah, we're we're going to thirty nine hundred and forty two. It was a real, a real. Go back and look at that. Yeah, James. No, I, I thought he said they shouldn't. They shouldn't cut. Really? The- I said they should consider. Okay. Oh no! Oh no! You're right. He did in April. He did say that they could yeah. suspend their dividend. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. If Disney can suspend their dividend, anybody can suspend their dividend. So you know, never. And I don't know if Disney has ever has it. Disney ever suspended their dividend? Oh, I don't. Not the history I of the company, hundred year history of the company. Did they ever suspend? Or I guess not hundred, but you know, sixty year history of the company. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if if World Dutch Shell can cut their dividend for the first time in since World War Two, wow, World Dutch Shell is a different story. Their oil, I mean, Disney was yeah, firing they, on all cylinders. Their dividend before had COVID been cut since World War Two, yeah. so if they can do it, anyone can. So, do it. I I sold my J P Morgan yesterday. Um, I had it on for a swing trade. I had it on because I thought the low of the move might hold. It rallied up. I sold part of it, and then I sold the rest of it when it went through the ninety five eighty seven low. Because I don't want to be long stocks making new lows on the move. So that's gone. Um, it's hard to just come in here and buy banks. And yes, maybe they're going to get a catalyst. They're getting back to some levels. They're always been fairly cheap, but I've talked to my banker buddy. I talked to a buddy over at Royal Bank in Canada. And he's like, there's nothing going on. There's no deals. Yeah. There's nothing. And I mean, that's obvious. The economy shut down. There's no big deals happening here. There's, you know, we're in an economy 
the, the, where you know the, think about the M&A action think about all this stuff there's nothing happening in investment banking there's nothing happening in you know corporate lending the only money they're lending is to companies trying to survive so it's tough it's a very tough environment for the banks again a vaccine changes everything we get a vaccine that works sure. I'll buy everything I'll turn around and I'll be so long and I'll be I'll be on margin and I never go on margin oh you won't be a vaccine. on margin I say that well anyways I, I'm not, I, but until the, the, the banks are the same thing. They're ground zero for this. Could they have to cut, you know, it's, could Wells Fargo have to cut their dividend, suspend their dividend? Yeah, it's possible. Is that going to happen tonight? I don't think so. Um, but the stress test will be interesting. We'll see what happens. I don't think any banks are coming in and suspending their dividends tonight. And yes, there's probably some nervousness maybe going to these stress tests. But, you know, the stocks are cheap. They're, they've been cheap for a long time. Until this economy actually opens up and we get the virus under control, they're going to remain cheap, in my opinion. So uh, banks are not for me, not until we get more clarity on where this is going. And also, also worth noting that banks' earnings are not far away. We're only no, July 14th, right? Uh, only for, for JP three Morgan. weeks away from, earning, from the banks starting the next earnings season. So we're going to get some headlines here one way or the other in a couple of weeks. Uh, all right. I know we haven't really... Uh, gotten any tickers from the chat today. I want to do that quickly before uh, we bring in our next guest. Uh, someone asked about Rite Aid earnings. They were, they were out this morning. They beat uh, they beat nicely. The EPS, they lost $0.04 cents per share. They're estimated to lose $0.38 cents per share. Their sales are $6.03 billion, $6 billion versus $5.6 billion. So nice beats for Rite Aid in their first quarter. I don't know who asked about this, but there these is- stocks of that reverse split have, you know, tendencies to just have wicked rallies sometimes. So you got to be careful. I don't, I don't want to short this because I've seen, you know, think about the rally that we had back in March when this thing went from 10 bucks to 20 bucks, like five trading sessions. So you got to be careful, very, very careful trading these yeah, types of, of yeah. stocks. Um, is, was it good numbers? Sure. A pretty low bar, though. For this right is age. a runner. This, this thing it can, can be run. a runner. You've got to be careful yeah, on this Yeah, one. 14. You're trading at the highs of the pre-market session. So if you look at it and like and, and all, I look at the dailies here, and 15.15 hasn't hit that yet. I'd like to see what happens. $15, you see a pair of highs, 14.95 and 15.15. After that, you might get a, like a, a, a peak at 15.84. So this been in a consolidation period for a long time. This thing could be a runner. It'd be one of those things where, you know, check out your pre-market high, wherever it is. Looks like it's bid right there right now. And see if you can continuation. I wouldn't want to buy this at uh, 14.37 and see a 13.90 print, you know, something like that to see if it could just uh, continue to run. S&P's had a pop into the 30, 30 handle, uh, now starting to leak again. Uh, one interesting chart before we uh, uh, bring you in. You know, it's uh, a big uh, difference just before you move on sure. is the rallies aren't holding. No, no, they're not. The, the, they're not. Yesterday we had multiple rallies. They can't hold, they can't hold. They're selling the rips, folks, and they're not buying the dips as much as they were. And that's why we're st- keep leaking down here to the low. 3,000 S&P. Bulls are still in control in the S&P as long. I'll give, I'll give you the 296.74 low of June 15th on the spot. I'll give you that number. We take that number out and then it's a slippery slope maybe down to 280. So you want to see the bounce. I think we do the first time. You know, that's where, you know, if we really get down here today, 
297 spy. Maybe they flush them out. You know, we get near the overnight lows. Where the S and P's overnight low equivalents probably, you know, 298 on spy. Yep. Get down that area. We probably bounce the first time down there. I might try a little bounce trade there, but that's all. Just a bounce trade. Not loading up the investment portfolio. I'll tell you that. Uh, just before we go to our guests, one very interesting chart here, and I know a lot of people participated in this uh, workhorse. Uh, look at this. This is a super. This is. I know you guys have been on this one. I think uh, for quite some time. Yeah. Really interesting day yesterday, right? You go. You run to ten bucks. Yeah. Options. Turn around, and then you dip to seven ten, right? And then you. Well, no, actually, that seven ten was made early. So yeah, you hit the seven ten. You went up to ten. You came back to eight fifty one. Yeah. And now you're trading up seventy three cents here at nine twenty four. Your pre market high stands pretty close to ten nine seventy three nine seventy four. I would say if you're just looking for this run to continue, boom! You need that. You need to get over ten bucks on the hop. Clear out those sellers and keep on going because I don't know this thing. It wasn't a red candle because it opened low and went high. But Dennis, you talk about one of those candles where you know you kind of just yeah. get all the buyers in there. So it's not a red candle. So I wouldn't I wouldn't throw in the towel on it yet on the long side. But man, if this thing doesn't get over, a lot of people are getting their money back. They got caught late in the day. So over ten. You know, why things are wide open, but man, you, I think you're going to find some big sellers, big volume day there yesterday. Uh, Dennis, do you have any left? I know that uh, I, I do. I've sold, I sold more in the last two days. I've sold, I've sold some in the sevens. I sold more again yesterday. And um, so I still have a chunk left. Um, I want to hold on, but again, this is just so overextended. I, I still like the story here. That's the one thing is I do like the story. You know, the electric, you know, vehicles. This is a was an under the radar play. It's not under the radar as much anymore. It got a mention on CNBC Mad Money last night. Oh, nice. Um, they were going to talk go. about it on Fast Money. They actually showed the chart, and then they actually just ran out of time. They didn't. So it's starting to get CNBC mentions. And I'll always, I always say when they start mentioning them on CNBC. It, it, it's usually all the, all these smaller stocks when they start getting mentioned on CNBC, it's usually near the top. So usually the run is over. Usually when CNBC starts getting some, you know, they, they start, you know, and Matt, a caller came in and Jim Cramer said, I got to do some more work on this one. Um, he knows it's been running. I mean, when they start getting shown on CNBC and talked about, you know, nonstop on CNBC, it's usually the time where you should be ringing the register. It's been a big run, but I do like the story here. So I, I almost want to hold a piece just to continue with the story because this could be one that could continue for a while, but it, it's due for a pullback. I think this short run, $10, I think is going to top it out. So, you know, you're at 923, 925, maybe get another shot up there near that. I, I might lighten up even more if we get into the high nines, uh, but I've sold a chunk. I've, I've taken out way more than my initial investment even in it now. So, and, I, I, and, we, and we bought this like, two and a half weeks ago from Mitch in the chat, who's just a fantastic call by Mitch. We've given him props on the show a lot for the stock. It's been awesome. Um, it, it's really overextended. So I think it does need to cool off a bit, but I do like the story still. And uh, But what is concerning to me is it's starting to get some attention on CNBC. So uh, that that's always a concern. 
All right, uh, I want to bring on our, our next guest now, uh, Robert Schultz. For the first time, we actually have somebody in the Benzinga office with an academic economics background. Robert has uh, a bachelor's. What are you talking about? I took economics class, pass, fail. Oh, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I, I got a minor in economics. Okay, Robert has <laughs> one bachelor's, one master's, and is going for another master's. In All right, we'll, we'll give him. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll give him the, <laughs> the lead here. The end. Robert, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, break down this GDP report for us here, Robert. Yeah, so it's actually pretty good. Um, this is a revision, so it's the third revision of the year, and it's it's with right within the May revisions, which is a 5% decrease from quarter one, um, which is kind of what was expected from the uh, second revision that came out, so that's a good sign. Uh, we're definitely seeing a decrease in exports, personal consumption, and other investments. However, there is a lot of government spending that is helping buoy the uh, GDP changes, um, some worries, though, is we are definitely seeing a drop in imports. Um, so that's going to be something that's going to be going into the future is going to affect us possibly. And we are seeing service decreases specifically in healthcare for like cosmetic and non-essential services in healthcare, and then food services and accommodations in the hospitality industry. We're obviously seeing a decrease with COVID events and state shutdowns. Okay, but overall, is this like better or worse than, I know it was in line with estimates, but is this like, how should we feel about this report? I, I would say it was expected. It's, it's nothing that's, it's crazy that's unexpected. I think it's with, right within uh, what they thought. The good thing is, is it didn't get worse and it's not as bad as some people thought it was gonna be. And this 5% decrease could be much worse. Um, so let's just look at this from like a, a trend perspective. Let's say going back over the last two quarters, looking at this quarter, what what does this, you know, predict, you know, with the trend that we're having, you know, for next quarter or the following quarter? Yeah, so the, the last uh, three quarters of 2019, we were actually increasing GDP by about 2%, which economists say is like really the optimal number. Um, and so we obviously knew there was going to be a little bit of a decrease with the COVID events. However, looking forward based on some of the numbers that we've gotten in June for like May and April, um, I think quarter two is gonna be a lot worse, uh, mainly because more states are shutting down, uh, which is gonna decrease economic activity. Most of the world was shutting down in parts with our trading partners. So that's gonna be a long-term decrease. All right, uh, Robert, as far as upcoming economic data points, what should be on our radar? Yeah, so the big one is, like uh, you discussed a little bit earlier, was the uh, initial unemployment uh, initial unemployment claims data came out today. It was 1.48 million, uh, which is, I believe, the 14th straight week of over a million claims, which is very worrisome. Uh, the big thing also you kind of touched on is next week is the uh, national unemployment numbers are coming out. Um, that's really going to be, we're going to see what's going on with quarter two. And then um, we have just some other data that came out this week, such as housing numbers and stuff. So based on this quarter, when do you think that, uh, uh, you know, we're going to get, you know, back to positive GDP, get back to the levels uh, that we were pre-COVID? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be hard to tell. I was thinking about that uh, this morning because Q2, we're obviously going to see a decrease. We're just starting Q3 and we're seeing issues with the trade war. We don't know exactly what's going on with that either. Um, You'd like to see a little bit of a bump with, you know, the election coming up. Um, but I think there's so much going on with like what you guys were saying earlier with the second wave in states possibly shutting down again or starting to shut down again that, you know, this could be a long-term thing. I think Q2 is going to be 
uh, rough. And then I think Q3, hopefully near the end of Q3, we see a rebound, but it's really all gonna depend on how fast you know, states reopen and can they stay open? And then what's the consentment? All right, Robert Schultz is spending the summer with Benzinga before he goes back to school to continue his economic studies. Robert, thank you so much for stopping by today. Have a good one. At Michigan, he's going to. At Michigan, of course. How could I forget? At Michigan, that makes all. I would say I'd see you at a football game, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to be. I don't know. I got my tickets, but I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to be at those games, unfortunately. But all right, enjoy, Robert. Go to Pizza Bob's and get a chapati. All right. <laughs> or Zagerman's for a Georgia Rubin. Okay. Uh, 8.56 here. Let's do a couple more from the chat before we go, I go to our final guest today. Here's one. Speaking of, uh, we were talking about Rite Aid and consolidation in Rite Aid. Let's look at Coke here. We have not looked at Coke for a while, but consolidation station here in Coke. Wow. Sitting near the lows. It's a defensive stock. Um <laughs> Obviously, the consumer staples have come in a little bit there. We know I bought some Procter & Gamble a while ago. One thing with Coke is it, it's a little bit, you know, of a reopening play as well, though, because there's so much beverage. You know, think about the brewers. You know, we talked about the bars not being open. There's so many, you know, places that aren't selling Coke right now with restaurants closed with, obviously. So there's less demand from that perspective. But still a lot of people sitting at home drinking their Coke. So... I think low 40s, I'd get talked into this. I don't think this is Coca-Cola is going to have any liquidity issues. I don't think they're like, oh, if we're on a lockdown for two years, Coke's in trouble. I don't think that at all. So I'm more comfortable owning something like this. It has come off the highs from 50 to 44. It is coming in some nice support. If you wanted to take a flyer just on a trade, I'd say stop yourself yeah. up below the 43.20. Um, I'm on the fence. How did this stock get to 60.13 in February? Holy mackerel. That's just, that's just silliness. Yeah. That was uh, when, you know, everybody was just buying everything. That was the, the ball ripping. ripping wow. Um, slow mover. I mean, if you're buying This is it, one I'd like to add to my long-term portfolio when COVID's gone. <laughs> I, I would like to own Coke. And you're going to have to buy it before COVID's gone. I, I think you're going to get it cheaper. I think you're going to eventually get a shot in the low 40s. And I might take that shot. Yeah. What, 40- what do you think? I, I don't know. This is sleepy chart. 44.50 yesterday's low, 44.47. So you probably have an institutional guy perch there. If not, they'll knock out the 45, you know, 44 and a half to so go to 44 and there'll be more institutions there. So I don't know. I, I just, I'm looking at this thing at 60 bucks and like my inside my gut says, man, that thing's never going back to 60 bucks, but you can never say never in this market. Uh, let's look at here a couple more from the chat. Let's look at Kroger real fast. This one was one of the one of the few bright spots yesterday. It goes up when the stocks go down. I'm long Kroger just because just this is short term uh, day trade, overnight trade because market's down, and I figured Kroger would probably catch a bit because of that. But why does um, why, why does Kroger do that and not like Costco? In in normalized environments, they do. I don't know why, but Kroger's got this thing going on right now. And I think it's a stupid reason, but they pointed this out on CNBC like a week and a half ago. There was the one day where all, I don't know which day that was, but there was 499 of the 500 S&P stocks were in the red. And Kroger Kroger was was the only one in the green. Do you remember what day that was? I remember. It was like a week and a half ago. Yeah, it was like a week ago. They pointed that out. 
And since they've pointed that out, Kroger is completely negatively correlated with the market. It always has a little bit of a negative correlation because it's defensive. People are going to go to grocery stores. But Kroger is like just completely negatively correlated right now. So market goes down, Kroger goes up, market goes up, Kroger goes down. Um, it's in consolidation station. So let's just talk technicals on it. You got yeah, some great support. I'm kind of great support my... down 32. Yeah. Uh... This thing got hit after a good earnings report. There were high expectations. And, the earnings report was uh, good. Yeah. It was good, but they, you know, they, they, they hit it. And it was like one of those things where you just had that island low, that earnings low at 30.65, closed that day at 31.81, and then they bought it right back up. So kind of bummed I missed it. I mean, I was looking at this for a longer term play. I just think, you know, people are just going to be. Not even, you know, who knows what happens with the vaccine in a day, two days, weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I think people are realizing that, you know, going to the store, getting your own food, cooking your own food is not only cheaper, but it's healthier. So Kroger, if they're positioned with their stores, the long-term trend and- uh, I like and, Kroger. Uh, yep. yep. For those too. reasons. Yep. I, I'd be a, I, I'm long into short term and I'm going to be selling that just a short term overnight trade. It was just a hedge against the markets. But- um. I, I'd stick this in my longer term portfolio. If we got up, if we were to get up to or, or back down in the 32 area, I might stick this in the longer term portfolio. I like it. Interesting. All right. Uh, I want to bring on our final guest of the day. Uh, I'm not sure what your guys' deal is, if you're going to uh, hang or not. But I, I want to get this guest on one more time before the next earnings season here. Dimitri Pargamanik, he's the co-founder of Market Chameleon. And uh, they do options research, uh, option stats, options, trade ideas on their platform. So I want to get Dimitri on to just give us a couple of trade ideas as it relates to uh, uh, earnings uh, that, are, that are coming up for the next mm, – couple days or couple weeks so bring all right you- i'm gonna i'm gonna hop off here and uh hop on hot mic for a few minutes we missed a lot of tickers here that's hot mic io code is joel 317 i'll get get over there and cover uh, your tickers for a yep. few minutes apologies. and uh, check are, in with you later some days we do more tickers in the chat than others i apologize today we didn't do a great job of covering the chat we'll try to do better tomorrow i'll bring dimitri on now though uh dimitri thanks for coming on with us uh you've got some trading ideas some options ideas for us correct uh, yeah, I think we talked about Nike because that's reporting today after the close. So let's just, you know, we'll start out with Nike. Yeah, tell us how you would yeah. trade this thing today. Sure. So is it possible to share my screen? I think it's easier oh. with a visual. Sure, go for it. Okay. So they're after the close yeah. today. Uh, they're here. I'll give you the numbers real quick on the yesterday sure. Nike. So. Uh, we're looking for earnings per share from Nike uh, of nine cents on revenue of seven point five two billion dollars. So, uh, oh, I'm seeing your screen sure. here. There we go. All right, tell us. What okay, sure. And you do you see my screen? I do. The Nike screen. Okay, perfect. So, in in this example, I'm just going to go over Nike's earnings from a historical perspective using options. Uh, so we're looking at like volatility and movement. And then, you know, we could also look at how the stock uh, tended to behave because when, you know, options traders, they really take advantage of a catalyst move or earnings move using the options market. So I'm just going to come over here and kind of show you, let me just minimize this really quickly. So this is how the options uh, tended to price Nike earnings versus like what it actually did. So we see that the earnings estimates, the options tended to overestimate the move 75% of the time in the last 12 quarters. 
And we could see here that on average, they're estimating a 5.7% move in either direction versus an actual move of 4.7%. So it's about a 1% differential of the uh, estimate versus the actual moves. And we could see down here in these, th these are the last 12 quarters. And these bars over here show what the option markets uh, were predicting the move to be up or down in either direction. And then these bars are what the actual move was. Wait, so, so the, what's the expected move today? So the expected move today, I think it's around, it, it's kind of in line, I think like 5.33%. And I'll get into the, and, and I'll go to the options chain and we're, we're going to kind of, uh, you know, structure a straddle and then compare like what today's, today's predictions are versus, you know, historical moves to see how that lines up. And, and just really quickly, you know, this is, this is what, how, how the options uh, did historically. So you see if you were long the straddle, which is if you bought the call, you bought the put on the at the money strike, you know, right before the earnings sold it out the next day, you see that uh, that was, that only was profitable 44% of the time. And on average, it was a 3% loser. The, the strangle over here, that's an alternative to the straddle where you buy an out of the money call and out of the money put. So it's a little bit cheaper, but you need a much bigger move. You see that was only profitable 25% of the time for an average of 10% uh, loss. So the flip side of that would have been profitable if you were shorter. And we also compare like the credit iron butterfly. So this is where you take advantage of high implied volatility. You're selling, you're selling the straddle, but you're buying the wings for protection. And that actually, it was profitable 44% of the time, but as you could see that the return on the amount at risk was a 44% return on amount of risk. And that's probably due, you see over here a couple of times where it had very little bit movement where I'm hovering over. So at that point that those at the money, at the, at the money options really got crushed. So, uh, so yeah. how, how much, do you, how much can you really, how much info can you, you really glean from looking at prior earnings, like in this kind of a market, you know, where it's just as crazy as it is. And we've never really seen this before. Right. So, the, so, so we, we, obviously we don't know what will, what will happen, yeah. you know, in the future, but we do use historical data to give us some guidance and give us, and be able to help us uh, formulate a strategy and using those historicals as, you know, potential risks and rewards. So that's kind of what, you know, as options traders, we don't, we really look at the uh, volatility. What, you know, how much does a stock tend to move and how much is being priced in the options today to get, a, to see if we could get, um, you know, if options are uh, overpriced or underpriced versus historicals. Yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, uh, just to recap those trades that you would, or you, you want to build one for us? Yeah, I will build. Yeah, we'll go to the options chain and build. And then the, the next thing, just really quickly, what I think is important is also looking at, you know, when after after earnings, what happens is that you also have the implied volatilities uh, come in, right? Because options are priced really high for the event. After the event comes out, whatever the movement is, the implied volatility comes in. So here from a historical perspective, we're just going to look at Nike here and we see that the 30-day, so the, the, the option expiration closest to the 30-day, we see that on average, the day after, there's a 28% crush in that implied volatility. So this kind of helps you, you know, formulate uh, 
you know, what, what you might expect happen after the earnings move. We see here that the day before on average on the 30 day, the 30 day expiration on average, it's about 35.4%. The day after the, the high volatility drops to 26.1. And then we see after that five days after 10 on average drops to 24.2. So that's kind of how, you know, this is, these are the charts and how, how it looks. So this way, once you structure a strategy, you could kind of use historicals to see, well, you know, if it behaves similarly to, for X, similarly to the history, what am I, what am I expected to potentially make versus what I'm, uh, what I might possibly lose. So let's go to the options chain over here. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at, so these are yesterday's closing prices um, on the options chains. The market isn't open yet. So here we see, you know, Nike's around a hundred. Hey, can, uh, can you just zoom in a little bit? It's a little bit small there. Uh, just like control plus on your computer or something. Command plus. Let me see if I could zoom. Let me see if I could do a zoom. Uh, just hit, I think on the keyboard, like control plus. Is it better? Oops, too much. That, that's better, that's better. That's better? Okay. So this, here's the options chain for for Nike right now. And Nike's like, that's where it closes around 100. So what we would use is, we'd start out with the straddle and let's just say we sold this straddle over here. So that's selling a put, that's selling a call, right? Let me just come down here. So over here we see, this is what this would look like at expiration and it has like two days to go. So wherever this green is, as long as the stock is in this area, in this range, that's profitable. If it falls outside, that's when you start to lose. So you could see here, this, you get a $5.34 credit. The stock's around hundred bucks. So it's up about 5% move in either direction, which is kind of in line with the historicals that we were just looking at. But let's just take a look really quickly and see, well, what if we, looking at the strategy, let's just apply the last 12 moves, right? So these are, these are the dis distribution of moves historically uh, Nike had after earnings. So you could see here, if it falls outside here, these lines in the red, you know, that would have been, if you did the similar strategy, you know, that would have been unprofitable in the red. You could see here that about in the green, I think about like 60% of them are falling inside the green. There's one right over here to the outside. So here, it just shows me that Nike, you know, tended when, when it had those extreme moves, it tended to be to the upside more to the downside, just by, by looking at this graph over here. Um, what we could also do is, I'm just gonna take a really quick look at what this is recommending to us. So based on those historicals, I'm just gonna see, you know, what popped up on the trade cards here. And it's, it's, it's shown like a bull put spread here Sorry, here's, here's a bull put spread. And that involves, you know, just buy, selling an out of the money put and then buying another out of the money put um, as a hedge. And here we see that there's a dollar six credit here. This shows that there's a 27.9% edge. So let me just take a look at that. We'll go back to the options chain and see, you know, what's going on with, 
with that type of strategy. And then so this is all, keep in mind, this is like, this is obviously meant to be a super, super short term trade. Nike reports later today. So keep exactly that for anyone trading this stuff. You can also do options that, you know, uh, longer term options uh, for catalysts that are weeks or months out in advance. But anyone looking at Nike today, either if you're trading a derivative or not, just keep that on your radar. Catalyst today. That's going to change. That's going to change. Exactly. This is very short term. These aren't, these aren't long-term investments. You're really just playing an earnings move, right? That's all you're doing. It's playing very short-term earnings move. Um, the, you know, it's much more speculative than just, just buying the market or buying a stock for a long term. Um, so here, this, this here, this is a, a credit put spread. And what you're doing here is you see uh, you're selling the, July 2nd, 97 put for 205, buying the 92 and a half put for 99 cents. That's a dollar six credit. One thing to keep in mind is see here, this is a pretty wide market. Midpoint is a dollar 52. So really, if you're doing something, a spread like this, you really want to get as close to that midpoint as possible. The further you move away from that midpoint, the more it's like you're paying in execution costs uh, to the market makers. So that's a big, that's a big spread right there, you know. Or like 42 cents, 46 cents, whatever that is. That's a lot for a strategy that's, you know, a dollar, dollar six. Um, but here we see this is the payout of that expiration. So the stock is right here. As long as, as long as this stock moves anywhere to the upside, you know, you're in a green here, you would keep that credit. You have a little bit of downside over here cushion. So this is where your break even is. And then you lose, you know, you lose below this point. That and then you're stopped out here. So that's what a put spread would look like. You know, you do have some uh, limited risk. You got to be careful uh, if that stock lands anywhere in between the strikes. I think a lot of people probably heard about that guy who was doing those put spreads with Robinhood. The stock landed right in between at expiration. If that happens, you know, the, these options don't offset each other. So you're going to actually be assigned stock. So just keep that in mind. But Let's just apply the last 12 moves here to this strategy. So you could see that, you know, most of them were in a green because it tended after earnings, that stock tended to move higher than lower. And you see over here, like there was one time in the last 12 quarters that, that this strategy would have been a loser. So that's kind of how, you know, you start analyzing. Of course, if you have any particular outlook on the stock that will impact which strategy you want to do. Um, but this is just from a historical perspective, looking at the potential risks and rewards. All right, Dimitri Parkinemic is the co-founder of Market Chameleon. It's, uh, as you can see, an options research platform. For those of you who are into options, I, I recommend you check it out. For those of you uh, into earnings as well and into uh, playing stocks, uh, heading into or out of an earnings report, I would also recommend it. I use it for their historical earnings data uh, and, and earnings moves as it relates uh, to stocks. It's a great resource for that. Uh, options obviously are highly speculative. You can you really have to be careful with them as, as Dimitri kind of referenced there. So I would, uh, I would urge caution to anybody who not, who is not familiar with options, uh, take a look, uh, but, uh, be cautious because they can be, uh, dangerous, uh, securities if you are not careful. Uh, Dimitri, just before we go, let you go, any, any just final thoughts here on, on what you're seeing as far as options activity in the overall market? Uh, the, what recently what I've been seeing is an uptick from 
traders who have, you know, especially options traders who have seen this market for a long time, you know, that been been trading like 10, 15, 20 years. As this, as this market, you know, has increased and it's kind of like, you know, a little bit, a little bit up there has returned. They're looking for ways to buy volatility. So they're looking for any way they could buy volatility just in case because, you know, they're, they're a little bit more nervous. So they're asking about, you know, are there any cheap gamma plays or is there any cheap ways to, um, cheap ways to protect my downside? So, so I have seen an uptick in that um, from the more veteran traders, you know, so, and, and like, you know, there are a lot of new, you know, we've been hearing a lot of new traders have been coming in uh, into, into the market and being very speculative. So, we, so there, there is a little bit, a little bit of that, but I do feel that, that enthusiasm has been fading a little bit. All right. Uh, Dimitri Parkinamic, as I mentioned, he's a co-founder of Market Chameleon. You can find him his website by going to marketchameleon.com. They're on Twitter, also at Market uh, Chameleon, but the chameleon has no vowels. Uh, and did I get all the places to find it? Just the website and Twitter? Is that, is that it? Yeah, marketchameleon.com. We have, you, you know, we have like YouTube video tutorials. Um, uh, yeah, I think we look... Facebook, Twitter. Awesome. All right. Twitch. Yep. Dimitri, thanks a lot for stopping by today. Stay safe out great. there. Great. Thanks, Spencer. Have a great day. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up here now. I'll just bring on a watch list. So these are the stocks. Most of the stocks we talked about today. I think I missed a couple, so I apologize. But if you want to keep those on your radar, thanks to our guests, Dimitri, Robert, and Mark. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Don't forget to hit that like button on YouTube. We love it. We love it. Thank you. Uh, and please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Thursday. Joel and I will, will be back at 3.40. Until then, stay safe and good luck. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.